Star Trek, The Nerdy Frontier. These are the discussions of the Good Time Society. Their continuing mission, to explore each episode, to seek out new topics and ridiculous observations, to boldly watch what they've already watched before. Uh, to quote your uh, I do. Well, that's exactly what I was going to ask. What moment of your life have you experienced uh, such anguish that you've uh, yelled out into the sky? It can be the death of a comrade. It could be a bad uh, test result uh, in school. It could be a particular insult. Anything? That's a really personal question. I yeah, stubbed well. my toe once, and I reacted in that way. Ooh, yeah. Toe stubbing will do that. Mm-hmm. I've done ah! that as well. To the sky. Mm-hmm. You guys, you can't make fun of a Klingon death ritual. You're being way too flippant about this. This is serious stuff. Well, I'm not trying to make light of it so much as uh, trying to connect with it, because I have never done this before in, in light of someone dying, so I'm trying to uh, emulate what we as humans might feel. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> you don't, don't buy that? <laughs> Felt like you were making fun of it, but I agree with Xander. I do this from all range of things, from stubbing toes to, you know. I was making fun of Worf specifically because this was only the first or maybe second time that he's done it, so he tried. I want to say that I think this ritual is badass, especially Mm -hmm. the way Data describes it, which is they are warning the what is it, the people in the afterlife that a Klingon warrior approaches. That's amazing. That's a great death ritual. Yeah. yeah, honestly, I need to start working on my death ritual. I got nothing. <laughs> there we go. So, yeah, we should we should start a death ritual club so to get people familiar with the um, ceremony. Yeah, you know, mourning just feels lame when you could just scream to the afterlife, "Beware!" <laughs> it's true. I, I appreciate that they also just regard uh, the corpse as just a husk that's just can be discarded and is no longer needed. Yeah. Fun fact, I actually ran into that in uh, the Star Trek tabletop game because I was playing a character that knew about Klingons and I made the mistake of like, should we do something with the body? And my GM was like, no, they are husks. And I was like, oh, I knew that. I knew that. (laughs) Oh my God, you got Trek checked hard. I did. (laughs) Well, this is the episode uh, Heart of Glory. It's Mm -hmm. another first season classic where Worf's loyalties to Starfleet are tested when three fugitive Klingons board the energy Enterprise and cause trouble, for lack of a better phrase. <laughs> yeah, I feel like up until now, uh, if if you were watching Next Gen as it was coming out, especially if you were a fan of older Trek, I could imagine it would be very surprising to see a Klingon not only like in Starfleet but on the bridge as a high-ranking officer. And we think now of Worf as like this sort of te- huggable, scary teddy bear. But they really had to work to change the image of what the audience was seeing him as uh, coming from a Star Trek background. So I think this was, the whole episode was really uh, an establishing point for Worf as a character and, and where his sort of alliances lie. Well, what an apt analogy, because bears were really scary until someone stuffed them with plush. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, Teddy, Teddy Roosevelt. Probably. Or whatever it was. He named probably after. personally did it, yeah. <laughs> he did. I bet he was the first creator. So, are we gonna have plush Klingons in the future? You think? Oh, I've got several, but that's for my <laughs> private time. <laughs> Wait, whoa! It was what? normal till you got. <laughs> 
weird with it. Oh, their um, body size. No. Yeah, what an interesting episode. I feel so conflicted on behalf of Worf. I feel mm. confused about, like, I feel like there's a big allegory for, like, a, an adopted black kid go- growing up in a white family. Like, mm. I don't know. I felt very, um... I, I feel like it's really hard for Worf being the only Klingon around. And they, like you mentioned, they established that he comes from the same sort of conflict that Spock did in that he was half human, half Vulcan. With Worf, he's full Klingon but was raised by humans and so has the cultural understanding of a human and has only learned about Klingon culture from afar up until now. Which it seems like he's studied a lot of because he knows right. a lot about the things that they're talking about, but he also just just feels like he, all this is new to him. Right. Yeah, he's definitely a product of, like, uh, he learned his culture through books, it feels yes. like. Right? He knows... He knows all the facts, but he doesn't know exactly how to process it. Right? Which also yeah. makes him so gullible to these sort of marauders. Yeah, yeah. And this is not the last time that we'll see that either, but it becomes sort of this allegory of like book smart versus street smart. You can read and know information, but until you're living it and, and breathing in the culture, it's not exactly the same. Man, tough time. And then and then growing up with this innate Klingon nature of, of wild unbridled uh, ferocity (laughs) and then having to um, tamp that down your whole life Mm -hmm. yeah for sure and these these two chorus and conemus or something like Mm. that conevus no conevus is the one who dies uh anyway these two are like they're even kind of extreme as far as klingon goes because they are renegades from the klingons they actually don't like the peace treaty that's been signed with the federation is that Mm. what i understand their motivation to be yeah, there's there's it's shady motivation yeah. all around. But but this is the the Klingon that you would expect to see in original series with a little more forehead prosthetic makeup <laughs> because they're changing the image of it. Um, but this is what people expect when they hear Klingon when they were coming to Next Generation the the war race that it's in your blood you can't deny it da 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 and. Because that's what they were. Like the we haven't guys. really seen Klingons. Oh, I just wanted point, to say that uh, it was Commander Chorus and Lieutenant Conmel. Conmel. Uh-huh. I knew it was something weird. Conmel. Got it. Cool. This was also, I believe, the first mention of Romulans. I have that in my note. Yeah. We've we've mentioned their cruisers a bunch. Oh, sure. Okay. <laughs> Uh, one of the points that Roddenberry had made when he restarted the show was that they he didn't want to revisit all the other aliens that they've already tread over in the original series. Uh, he, I think he made a point of saying, you know, it's a huge galaxy out there, so there's plenty of endless amounts of aliens to explore, so let's include those. Yeah. That's why we haven't seen – I don't think we even really saw a Vulcan until – was it the episode where uh, Wesley went to the Academy? Yep. And there was a Vulcan there. That was the first time we saw a Vulcan, really. There might yeah. have been a background one or two. like in Yeah, I mean, like a, as a prominent character. Speaking yeah. of seeing things for the first time, you want to talk about a visual acuity transmitter? What? <laughs> yeah. what? Uh, so Jordy apparently has this way to uh, live stream his his <laughs> his visor that we didn't even know about, which is yeah. so awesome. We get to watch it from the bridge, and uh, Picard is rightfully amazed and confused. Refers to it as an image of flashing colors and indistinct shapes, a visual frenzy. If only he'd done shrooms before watching this, like he would have really. <laughs> 
But you also have to remember that was uh, that was him acting against like a green screen. So he just had to trust in the dialogue that that's what was showing up on the screen. Um, but yeah, it was. I think it was a good way to integrate what Jordy sees in while well, keeping it in the plot. It was still relatively within the story, but there's always that question of like, I want to know what Jordy sees or what does that visor do exactly type of thing. Yeah. So this was a good way to sort of explain that. Um, it seemed like this was sort of explaining some of the other bridge crew members and their quirks because we've gone in depth with like Riker and Picard and even Crusher and stuff, but haven't really uh, peeled back the layers of Geordi and, and Worf yet. Yeah, they kind of showed their hand that they were trying to do that when Par- Picard literally says, now I'm beginning to understand him. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. So heavy-handed, and yet yeah. I loved it. <laughs> Thank you for trying to understand, finally. Why didn't you ask my last name? Yeah. No, first name. <laughs> and then Riker's like, sir, I hate to break this up, but we have uh, an episode to get to. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting that they have so many cameras on everybody's ship for this um, visual interface with other ships, yet they don't have any body cams to send on Wayne missions or <laughs> down to planets. Just they the, didn't think the, of that yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the pieces are there. Yeah. And so the away team gets on board this, for, is it a Ferengi cruiser? They think it's Ferengi. They think it's specifically Ferengi. They Ferengi. said it in a weird way. And I was like, <laughs> happy pride. I know this is the Riker future. Riker was but... very accused. <laughs> happy pride. Uh, Riker was very accusatory of like, oh, yeah, must have been those awful Ferengis. He's very accusatory, and I, I don't like it. That's right. It was actually it was a Talarian freighter right. that was suspected to be attacked by Ferengi. Yes. Um, Ferengi. I was a little. I thought that was the people who um, you know drew the picture of their dream man and then he appeared. But that was maybe Talarians or something. And then when you look at the disambiguation, there's Terellians, 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 yeah. and Tyrellians. So these were. Terellians. Telerians are the things that yeah. live inside like a dried uh, atmosphere of like uh, like a glass cage that has no water, right? Yes. Or is that a terrarian? And what's then a, hu- an what's a human is that's a from Earth is a Terran. Terran, yeah. but that's yeah, yeah. yeah. What happens when <laughs> you what happens when you rip out your stitches? You tear them. You tear them. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know whose uh, freighter this is. Terrellian yeah. sounds right. <laughs> but the, anyway. These two Klingons decided to take it over, hostile takeover. They thought, you know what? Fuck all things Klingons are up to. We're not down for peace. Let's go steal the ship. Yeah. Yeah, these guys commandeered the freighter. So uh, the way team gets through all of the mist and all of the hanging uh, tubes <laughs> that right, the right. ship barely has. It's uh, starting to detonate, as a matter of fact, because its engine core is rupturing. Well, which Jordy saw through his visual acuity transmitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at this point, I don't think it was established that they had taken over this cruiser. They thought that they were part of this cruiser and they were rescuing them. Yeah, they were surprised to see Klingons. That was right. our first act break, as a matter of fact. Um, but we rescue the Klingons, we get them on board, and we have a little bit of an interrogation scene in the sick bay where they literally pretty much recount their whole story just in a conversation. Yeah, <laughs> I felt like this episode and like even when Jordy was explaining what he saw, we visually saw what he saw, so we didn't mm-hmm. need him to over explain it. But like everybody's talking a lot through this plot, and they're There's like, a lot This of is all what happened. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like with Jordy's stuff, I almost kind of had wanted him to let Picard figure it out as opposed to explain it all. It's like, well, 
Data has an aura over him. Well, why do you think that is? <laughs> right, right. It seems like you think that I don't see what you see well, right. don't you? <laughs> I'm finally beginning to understand. <laughs> Are you? Because I'm lost now. <laughs> oh, uh, speaking of the sick bay, the dying Klingon. Definitely shouldn't have done that up the nose angle because you could well, definitely see the piece the where his prosthetic was cut. Yeah. yeah, maybe that's an HD thing. We're not supposed maybe. to know. Leave it in low fi I had it down. I was like, "Are you sure you want that close up? Yeah, you sure. Are you sure about You're that really one? Sure? You're really staying on it. Every Klingon is born different, you guys. It's true. Okay. <laughs> maybe he had a prominent head ridge. Maybe it's Maybelline. Or maybe he had a very small <laughs> nose and he put the prosthetics on as a Klingon to fit in more. It's like plastic surgery. Well, Chorus and Conmel, Conmel, uh, mm. pretty much give a very un. Well, I guess I would say it's convincing, but they don't finish their story before they say they're hungry and tired, which seems like a very un Klingon excuse to get out of that conversation. But Picard buys it. Wait, why were you on the ship that wasn't your ship? We're I'm hungry. hungry. Tired. <laughs> Sleep now. Sleepy. Long uh, day. Lots of fighting. Sure, not <laughs> suspicious at all. Absolutely. So uh, I guess they take him to go get a, a Klingon meal. Yes. And for Worf to has, have his first Klingon hang, it's a big <laughs> deal true. for him. He's like, yeah. should I walk him? I can, I can, I'm not busy uh, unless you need me. I'm going yeah. to their quarters. <laughs> and then they immediately say, wow, wish that they had been uh, some sort of enemy that we had destroyed the ship of. And he's like, wait, what? Did yeah, I just yeah. admit that you were lying to my captain? They're not kings of subtlety. We <laughs> no. <say>. No. <laughs> but they also, I feel like that's a sign of the disrespect to Worf's uniform in that they're only seeing, like, oh, you've infiltrated Starfleet. Like, like we can tell you wh- whatever. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, they're actually bragging. They're actually yeah, yeah, subtly yeah. saying, you know what we did. They right. want him to know that they are brave warriors. Because as soon as they get him inside, they start asking him about how soft he is and weak and how, what is it about his blood crying out for glory or some wonderful yeah, yeah. line. There was some good, there was some good. Uh... Why do you wish to anger me to see if we still can? Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Just because he can control it doesn't mean there's not a fire inside of him. Like <laughs> me every second of the day. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, I like that. Do glorious battles you. no longer inspire your dream? Ooh. That's right. Oh, they sure do. I got a lot of zombie <laughs> dreams. <Yeah. laughs> is that glorious? They <laughs> Sorry, unrelated. So the Klingons eat up. They do not notably eat their vegetables. I picked that apart. You notice that? Oh. That's yeah, very particular. They just went, they went straight notice. for the meat. Yeah, their their method. <laughs> These actors were like, Klingons would not eat vegetables. <laughs> and then they confess pretty like was it before or after the meal, but they're pretty much like, All right, listen, this is what happened. We commandeered it. We're we're badass. We don't believe the in peace of the Federation. They're recruiting him. They see yeah. him as very susceptible and vulnerable. They hear his story and they think, Oh yeah, we can definitely get this guy to join our crew of vagabond pirates. Right. Yeah, they think that they're rescuing Worf from this brainwashing or whatever it is that's happening. And Worf kind of then entertains the thought for a minute. Yeah, and, uh, like, I I can understand where they're coming from, especially, you know, for me as a queer person growing up, there was always this sense of other, especially, like, with family. If you're the gay cousin or whatever, you're, you're just hoping for someone to swoop you along to gay paradise and then you could live <laughs> out your gay life forever. And that's that could happen, but, uh, you know, there's this... I'm sure that it's pulling on some strings that Worf have had, has had since his childhood of, like, I wish the Klingons would come get me 
and bring me back to my home world. So the first time that you met two other queer people, if they had stolen a, a I would have gotten into ship. any van. <laughs> Why are you so straight now, Xander? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do glorious dances not inspire your dreams? Do glory holes not inspire your dreams? <laughs> that's the only way now. Thanks, coronavirus. I, I imagine that's... <laughs> No, no, no. That's right. That's right. I do appreciate this analogy, though. Just, Xander. Sorry, glory holes are not a gay thing. I'm. It's not, well. It's an anyone thing. Well. Yeah. I'm just. Yeah. I just wanted to clarify. I don't think. I think glory holes are for everyone. I'll, I'll, I'll put a link to the comments to a glory. Hole. I love a good glory hole. That's all I'm trying to say. Anyway, Hi, that's mom. all you're trying to say, I, Becca. That's it. That's how you could have simplified love you, your message. Mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, this is all staying in. Um, <laughs> I do, I do appreciate your analogy, though, Xander. But like, I, I wonder in Worf's case and actually in your case, because I'm curious of like, um, what do you think gay paradise is, and what does what does um, Worf think of of Klingon culture as he knows it? And these two guys in particular show us that there isn't just one Klingon culture. There's a variety of subsets within and beliefs within that as well. Yeah. Did you I, even know like gay paradise existed? And did it? <laughs> I, well, at, at younger, like I didn't even know gay people existed right. until a certain point. Um, but then, you know, because of my experience and because of Worf's experience, we know better. The, that doesn't exist. You have to make it for yourself. Um, and we have actually explored this in the past episodes, spe- specifically the one with Wesley as the lead with the kids, uh, where they, I forget what it was, When the Bow Breaks, I think mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the same thing. They were placed into environments that would foster whatever creative thing they innately had, take them away from parents who they thought were alienating them, and put them as an environment, but it doesn't work. Yeah, well, I, that's the thing, is like, he doesn't know what to expect, and I and that's what you didn't know what to expect either, and right. I, I'm I, that's why I think he does hesitate, especially when he hesitates in the corridor during the very quick hostage situation that we potentially go through. <laughs> right, when, with Yar. He's like, I've never had a best friend. Maybe they <laughs> would be my best friend. Uh-huh. Yeah. That girl uh, just looks straight into his soul. Is like, I'm not scared of you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the child. I was like, I don't know what girl. I'm just going to smile and laugh. Oh. I figured oh, yeah. it out. Yeah, they, they are yeah, about to kidnap actor. a child, and, mm-hmm. and then Worf gently takes the child and then, like, sets her down, and she runs away and skipping, and they're like, oh, okay. I guess we're not doing that <laughs> <Unfazed>. plan. <laughs> yeah. Well, the after, let's see. I don't remember the exact order of this, but after uh, – Kunivas dies, and after we get the Klingon death ritual, um, mm-hmm. the other ship shows up, right? The Klingon ship that's tracking these guys. And they those... contact the Enterprise yes. formally. Mm-hmm. A tip-top ship. Mm-hmm. I was it was interested in the fact that they're, again, ham. they're kind of ham-handing this uh, because in the background of that Klingon's um, view screen, you see both the Federation symbol and the mm-hmm. Klingon symbol showing that, hey, we're at peace right now. And mm-hmm. that's that's what he has on his back wall at all times. <laughs> yeah. It was a green screen. He didn't actually get, like, it mailed in, you know. He just, it's just <laughs> yeah, he told his technician, he's like, yeah, put up two images of both of our unions and just yeah, put yeah. them behind us. Yeah, that, it's it, they have to play it up for, for the audience because, again, this was airing on on television and so things like that it felt cool to catch 
especially if you knew what the Federation symbol and what the Klingon symbol was, it was a sort of nod to like, oh, we see you, Trek fans. Like, here you go. This is These are the good ones. Remember? I could even rewind, and I'm impressed that you found that because I was not paying attention <laughs> to it. <laughs> uh, okay, really quick canon question. When is it, when is it talked about that the Klingons are no longer at war with the Federation? Is that the top of the season? Because... I know when one of the movies we show when they finally stop, which is the I think uh, Star Trek Six. Yeah, and then there were the Kittimer Accords. It, it, it's it but gets... that's all that was all happens like later in literal time, like that happens in the early '90s, whereas we're in the late '80s right now. So I can't remember. Yeah, I, I think I can't really remember either. But I think it's fuzzy on purpose. Don't like, worry, yeah. my sister will text me. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> um, they revisit it. The 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 Klingons mm-hmm. are sort of wary allies because yes. they want to keep that quote unquote bad guy in their back pocket or play with this sense of betrayal uh, within like the Federation Klingons versus you know right because there's a lot of tension and turmoil within their own empire. Yeah. So so this is when the Klingon on the other ship, their captain, he says, uh, give us these traitors. We want them back. And uh, and then Picard's like, uh-oh, this is awkward because Worf just made two <laughs> new friends. What do I tell him? He's going to be really upset. Um, and then later on, the captain seems very uninterested in their husks of bodies, but couldn't they just stowed them away and said they killed them if he never checked the bodies? Oh, you're to like verify that they were dead? Yeah. Oh, yeah. you mean way that later their on. their husks were <laughs> empty. Right. <laughs> well, uh, they had sensors, right? You can sense life signs, and I assume that the other ship would be able to sense the life signs of their crewmates. So there are different ways that you can track if they're alive or not, but plot. <laughs> well, when when uh, Kinera, who's the captain of that ship, says, you know, we we tells them he tells Picard what happened aboard the freighter. Said these guys are renegades. They they took out the ship that was sent to go retrieve them. So you need to be careful. And then we arrest them. They get locked into a cell, and then they assemble a gun out of their mm. equipment, which I thought was one of the Coolest cooler sequences. ever. No dialogue whatsoever. It was great. They didn't tell us everything. They yeah. just started doing Hand it. Hand me the thing so we can make our secret gun. <sighs> I know, gun. right? It's like, yeah. let's get the disruptor out now. It's like, no, just do it. That was great. <laughs> they just hot glued some Nerf guns together. <laughs> yeah. It and definitely it did feel like they were literally pulling the props together and, like, improvised the gun. <laughs> I wonder if it was, like, a prototype for, like, a toy. If Because they, they were mm. aiming at kids in mm-hmm. a way. I'll buy one. If it's plushy. <laughs> when uh, Kunivas died, uh, he had on his boot that little hook, which is yeah. one of those guys grabbed it on his way. And that was one of the things Pieces. that made up the tip of the disruptor yeah, rifle or whatever the tip. it was. Hey, I've noticed all four of the Klingons that we've met, aside from Worf, uh, all have, have names starting with K. Yes. He was named by humans, huh? They were like, yeah. you look like a Worf. <laughs> yes, you're gonna run into some uh, <laughs> some. If they were gonna name him a human name, why didn't they name him a human name instead of like make up? Well, you need you're a Klingon, so you can. Becca, Becca, Sorry. Scott, are uh-huh. you saying that you are unsatisfied with Worf as a name for a human as a human name when you yourself? <laughs> Have multiple occasions of I'm difficulty it, coming up with a human name. Disagree. Disagree. <laughs> um, because I named myself in a game last weekend. Oh, and yeah? originally I named myself Wilba, but I changed <laughs> it to Wilma. There See? you go. See, evolution. See, Progress. his name... 
His name was Bartholomew, but they went with Worf. <laughs> also, all three of us go by abbreviated names as well. Yeah. Whoa. So maybe his name is Warfolomew. Or maybe it's Kawarf. Kawarf. Because Klingons need a K sound in their name is all I'm trying to say here. There's a pattern. <gasps> yeah, there are naming conventions. Uh, you'll see it with uh, Vulcans, too. With, uh, like, T'Pol, it would be... It's sort of like the elvish of of Trek, where you can spot, like, an elvish name with, like, the apostrophes. Like, you might be able mm. to spot, like, a Klingon name and maybe a Vulcan name and guess by the conventions. Vulcans so if I were a Vulcan, would I be Baka? Yeah. That, or a Klingon. <laughs> that could work for either one. Please call me that. Bevik. Bevik. <laughs> Bekak, yeah. Oh. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um... The Klingons escape really briefly. Uh, Cone Mel goes down in the hallway after three phaser blasts. I noted why, that. Uh, why was it not on stun? Well, I, yeah, they're they're kind of they kind of skipped protocol. There was a lot of just uh, quick murder within about uh, thirty seconds. Um, mm. The director actually, I think, changed in the script how quickly the Klingons could die because they wanted to make them seem more fearsome. So it took three shots to bring them down, which I thought was a notable change. Fuck uh-huh. Yeah, That's make it more intimidating. Words. But I meant it. It's, it's, also, uh, listen, fight choreography has never been Star Trek's strong point, and it it's not going to be. So we'll just fight. Anytime a fight happens, we'll just go with it. Well, it's a bunch of nerds it. on a starship. What do you expect? Yeah. Chorus uh, yeah. uh, makes it to engineering, one of his favorite places to be, and uh, pretty much holds the ship hostage because he's pointing a gun at the warp core, it sounds like, where the dilithium chamber or something. Yes. Um, and they get Worf to go up and talk to him. Now, there was a, again, this is another change the director made. Uh, the entire fight was supposed to happen on the first floor of engineering where most everything happens, but they wanted to play with the vertical levels a little bit. Oh, yeah? So they went oh, okay. up way up top, which I thought made for a really great death scene where he smashed through glass. Yeah. And being high, high above to really get the get full the, effect of the that was a great stunt. death ritual yeah. Yeah. It was nice. And uh, yeah, he was going to blow up the warp core, which would blow up the entire ship because if he was going to be take on, taken by the Klingon ship, he would be executed most likely, even though warp tried to plead for mercy for him. Uh, and, and he would rather go down with the whole ship, which is mm. a little crazy. And, and that's what that I can understand a little more why it's not set to stun because he's trying to blow up everybody but still shouldn't be shooting death phasers at your own warp core (laughs) no yeah um and and also i think you had mentioned earlier there was there is a lot of talking in this episode and so we've gotten a lot of the same scenery so to set something within the engineering room but at a different angle that we hadn't seen before made for another interesting sort of setup yeah, well, we lack a B plot in this, right? Yeah, don't, don't we? Like, it kind of is another one of those. They tried with Jordy a little bit, but it kind they lost it in a way. Yeah, they really they yeah they abandoned it pretty quickly. That's I think it's it feels this episode as much as I enjoyed it, it still feels a little slow because it has no B plot. It was similar to uh, the episode The Battle where Picard mm-hmm. has to go back through the Stargazers history. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I was a, a little bored in parts of it because it didn't have as much mystery of switching back and forth, and thank you for pointing out why. Also, uh, if Jordy did have a B-plot that continued, I would love to see Data be like, let me try on your visual sensor. Yeah. We <laughs> <laughs> cute. It, it was pretty be. notable that, like, when Picard was like, what is that? Like, it's clearly not Jonathan Frakes that's that. Like, it right? was a photo that double or a stunt in. double yeah. or something. Same with Data. Like, the hairline did not match. No. Nope. 
And they put like a bad Photoshop filter or whatever it was over it. It's like, what did you do? <laughs> like glowing edges or something. But it ends with uh, obviously chorus falling through glass and uh, a, a good uh, another death ritual. Also, that shouldn't have happened. Technically, it's clear aluminum, but whatever. <laughs> also, how unsafe. Like, I bet yeah. one security personnel, as soon as that happens, like, yeah. I, I told you so. I told you guys that we should have changed that out. Because all he did was fall forward right. from a height of, like, six feet. So yeah. that I was going to – that's an accident waiting I want to hear more about this clear aluminum. What? Well, they, <laughs> they addressed it in, in one of the Star Trek movies with Scotty because that was one of the concerns. Oh. It's like – what is all this glass everywhere? And they're like, no, it's just see-through, really strong aluminum alloy. So that that's makes what, a lot more sense. Like the ship windows and stuff like that would be made of, <laughs> not glass. But it was a cooler thing to show. So they probably they had it. some sugar glass on set, and they're like, hey, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, Worf bluffs to the captain and says they died well, which I was really upset about. But I realized that he's bluffing. Like I was like, these guys killed Starfleet personnel. You shouldn't be, like, building their honor, but mm. he's building their honor because that's his culture a little bit. So I got that. And you see this sort of... They talk about it being an instinct thing. It's, like, anomalous to crying involuntarily or having some sort of mm. emotional reaction. I think that he's just... It, something bubbles up, at least that they were trying. Not that that was conveyed through the acting, <laughs> per se. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Sorry, who who are you throwing shade on there? Worf. Oh. Just Worf. Mm, yeah. Michael Dorn a little bit. Michael Dorn's still finding it. Like, I feel like yeah. he comes and into the role more when it gets more defined. Like, this is a this is an episode that's supposed to work on his backstory, but it just yeah. talks about his backstory. He doesn't right. get to live it much, you know? This was not Michael Dorn's fault. Also, I can imagine it would be so hard to emote with that forehead prosthetic piece <laughs> and all the... Ma like, I, I don't blame him. It was some questionable directing or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I can attest. So, sorry, Mr. Dorn. <laughs> um, speaking of actors in Klingon prosthetics, the yeah. actor who played Chorus was Vaughn Armstrong. Do you know about Vaughn Armstrong, Xander? No. He's played a total of, I think, 12 different roles in different Star Trek franchises. Oh. Yeah, he's actually, I think, he's like an admiral in Enterprise. I think he also has a role in oh, yes. Voyager as well. Okay, okay. I'll put a link to his uh, Memory Alpha yeah. article, there which few... is pretty extensive. Actors that are like that. Uh, one that comes to mind is Jeffrey Combs, who's played mm. a bunch of different characters too. Mm -hmm. And yeah, yeah, he's he's in a bunch of Voyager episodes and a few DS9 episodes as well. Cool, yeah, um, yeah. But what do you guys think overall? Overall, I thought it was a great Trek episode. I love this one. Even though, yeah, I could use a bleep B plot. Yeah, I don't know. It didn't particularly do it for me. I I love Worf, and I love seeing his inner turmoil in this episode of that that internal struggle. But the episode structure overall, the fight sequence, nah. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it had a it had a good idea of like trying to show Worf in the whole culture struggle and get to his backstory, but it was too much um, referencing it as opposed to living it. Yeah. <sighs> wow. But next episode, we're going to do some real living because a, it's... Why? How? Well, let me tell you. It's the arsenal of freedom. <gasps> Jordy leads the Enterprise into battle while Captain Picard and an away team are trapped on planet Minos. Just as he was beginning to understand him. <laughs> <laughs> They're taking fire from a dangerous automated weapons system. Minos can't wait! <laughs> <laughs> well then... Engage! Engage.